It would be a joy this morning just to preach an old-time Christmas message. But I can't do that. God has just burdened me for about four days. And I said, Lord, I, I really would rather just talk about how wonderful Jesus' birth is. He said, no, that's not what I want you to do. I said, but Lord, is there any other way? He said, no. I said, okay. It's a helpful message. It's a hard message in that it's truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, but it's a helpful message. And it is a message full of hope. So I want you to hear it with those ears. Monday, I think that was probably the first double funeral I'd ever been a part of. There were two caskets, one here and one here. I knew the one here. I knew the mother very close to her. I didn't really know the son. The mother was 67. The son was 43. They both had been brutally murdered in the photography place over on Florida Avenue. And so I had an experience like I'd never, never had before. But it seems like after it was all over and I began to think, how does something like this happen? The man who shot and killed both of them, then killed himself, probably didn't have any kind of record, probably had never been in jail. But here he not only took two lives but his own. I said, God, what is this? What, what about this? What is the cause of this? I said, Lord, it seemed like I read about it every day that somebody shot by it, somebody in a school shooting. Or I read about it every day about ISIS killing little children. And I read about the, the brutality and the utter lack of conscience in Syria, where they starve a city to death. I said, God, what is this? Not a day passes that some horrible, horrible crime is committed. And Lord, it seems like our world is not only going to hell. It seems like our world is already living like hell. That bothers me, Lord. And I want to ask you a question. Where's the church? Why? We got a lot of religious people in America. We got a lot of religious people. Everybody below Richmond, Virginia is saved. You know that, don't you? <laughs> you? When you come to grips with the fact that what has become commonplace in this country that used to stir us, it was unheard of. It was unheard of. But now, well, this just happened again. Well, it is awesome at this season of the year to celebrate the life of Jesus. But he addressed what the problem is, and I'm going to show you from the Bible what the problem is. He addressed it. But, you know, I, I said, you know, it is awesome to pause at this season to just Think about the, the, the miraculous, glorious birth of the Son of God. 
when Jesus Christ, God incarnate, entered this, invaded this world, and the world has never been the same. And I said, it's awesome just to remember the sinless life of Jesus. He was in all points tempted like we are, but he never sinned. I said, sinless lamb of God, the only one who could ever save us would be the one who had never been tainted with sin. So he could be just and the justifier by offering his sinless life on the cross in our behalf. Then I thought not only about his miraculous birth and his sinless life, but I thought about his servant's heart. Jesus literally, day by day, laid down his life. For others. Jesus said, if you really love your brother, you'll lay down your life for him. You won't be selfish. You'll be selfish. But you know, Jesus, every day he laid down his life. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. He cleansed the lepers. He raised the dead. He set free the demonic. I, I got to thinking of Jesus and his servant's heart. And how he was always helping people, never hurting people. But then I got to thinking about that Jesus, the only way I know to see it is he's incarnate love. Just love that became flesh. He loved his enemies. He blessed those that cursed him. On the cross he prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There's one thing you can leave this building knowing today. There's somebody that loves you unconditionally, and his name is Jesus. You are greatly loved by God. Did you know that? You just don't know how much God loves you. If you did, it would change your heart to know the depths of the love of God that God has for you. So, you know, I thought about it. Well, everybody should have loved Jesus. Everybody should have praised Jesus. Everybody should have honored Jesus. Everybody should have exalted Jesus. But guess what? They killed him. I said, no, wait a minute. Why in the world did they kill him? Why did they, when Pilate offered them Barabbas, a murderer, Said, I'm going to let somebody go. Do you want me to let Barabbas go? Or you want me to let Jesus go? And they said, oh, no. Let Barabbas go, but you crucify him. Crucify him. Why? Come on. What did he ever do? Why in the world? Would you put him on a cross between two thieves? You know why? Because Jesus, when he came into the world, now this is going to shock you. You know what the problem was? He shattered the religion of his day. He shattered it. He came along and said to the scribes and Pharisees, you don't have it right. You got it all wrong. Now I'm going to tell you something. When you come against the religious authorities and leaders of a day, that Jesus was in where the scribes and Pharisees ruled over. And you come on and say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. It's not right. It's wrong. You're wrong. He shattered their religion. 
He threatened the religion of his day. He threatened it. And so what they did said, buddy, you're not going to take away our religion. What we're going to do is we'll, we'll kill you before you'll take away our religion. And it was that, that was exactly who brought him before Pilate. They were exactly the ones that wanted to kill him. It was the religious leaders that put Jesus on the cross. Now, let me ask you this. How did Jesus shatter the religion of his day? How did his life and his words just say, you got it all wrong? Because let me tell you what the difference was. The scribes and the Pharisees and the religion of Jesus' day said it's all about the outside. You got to clean up the outside. What you need to do is you need to, um, this is what you need to do. You don't need to eat before you wash your hands. And you don't need to eat certain foods. And you only can go a mile on the Sabbath day. And, and, And they had about so many rules that they, you couldn't, couldn't keep up with them, hundreds and hundreds. And Jesus called them blind leaders of the blind. And the whole religion that Jesus came and shattered was a religion that said, you got to change man on the outside. you got to change man on the outside. Man has to clean up the outside. They missed it a million miles. The problem's not on the outside. The problem's on the inside. I want to show you how Jesus shattered their religion. And your Bible's looking, if you just look on the screen, it'll be Matthew chapter 15. And I want you to see how Jesus absolutely shattered the religion of that day. And they ended up putting him to death. In um, Matthew 15, 1 through 3, listen to this. Now you've got to understand, the scribes and Pharisees says, it's all about the rules. It's all about the ceremonies. It's all about the outward. We've got to clean man up. He's got to obey the rules. He's got to do the right things. All right, look in verse 1 up there. It says, then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, look what they said. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands before they eat bread. Boy, that's a major problem, isn't it? <laughs> the world all around them was going to hell. Your disciples are not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not washing their hands before they eat bread. Well, <laughs> Jesus said, <laughs> he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God before your tra- because of your tradition? What you've done, you put the, your tradition above the commandment of God. Then he goes on down. In verse 7 through 9, and boy, uh, he, he, he pretty much nails them. And frankly, can I be honest with you? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying to you, we all have to examine our hearts and say, is this true of me? You know, it can be true of me. I think at times it's been true of me. Look at what he said. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, and here it is. These people draw near to me with their mouth. Well, they love to pray in the assembly. 
They love to pray in the synagogue. They love to pray on the street corner. They love to display their religion. These people draw near to me with their, their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What a statement. And he went on to say, in vain do they worship me. Wait a minute, Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees were always worshiping you. They were always going through some ceremony, washing their hands, having ritual, having a rite, doing this, doing that. They were very active in their church. I mean, they really were. But Jesus said, it doesn't mean anything. They're doing it in vain. They may as well not even be worshiping. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Okay, then he really puts the nail in the coffin of the religion of his day. Down in verses 15 through 20. Uh, Jesus had been talking to him and Peter had been listening and he hadn't understood. Jesus had said how silly it is that you think the most important thing is that you wash your hands before you eat bread. And so Peter said, Lord, I... I hadn't got it all yet because Peter was, you know, he was a Jew. He said, would you explain this to me? Explain this to me. Then look at verse 16, what he said. Jesus said, are you still without understanding, Peter? You do not understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. Do you not understand? Now listen, whatever enters in the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated. What comes into a person from the outside, and he was talking about food, It is digested, and then he passes it on and says, don't you understand that whatever comes in through the mouth enters the stomach and is eliminated? Then look at the next verse. Oh, but those things which come out of a man's mouth, those things which proceed out of the mouth, here it is, come from the heart. Oh, Peter, it's not what man does outwardly. It's what's going on in him inwardly and, from, and what proceeds out of the mouth defiles a man. And then he really tells us the problem. This was the religion that Jesus shattered and he shattered it by saying this. You're never going to get right by cleaning up the outside. Look at this verse. For out of the heart that's your mind, your emotions, and your will. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, false witnesses, blasphemies. Jesus said, you've got to understand, you can wash your hands all you want to. And you can go to the temple all you want to and draw near to me with your lips and your heart be far from me. But that's not going to cure your problem. Jesus said, you've got a heart problem. And every human being, all right, stay with me. Every human being born since Adam has a heart problem. I have a heart problem. And I'm not talking about a physical heart problem. Every individual born since Adam has a heart problem. And he says, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You know what happened? I looked at that casket and 
Look the other casket. There was a man who felt like he'd been violated. Was angry with his wife. They were in the process of a divorce. But you know, in his heart, there came evil thoughts. And he dwelt on those evil thoughts. And soon what you think about, you act upon. And it was out of his wicked heart, desperately wicked heart. He got in his car, drove from Pensacola, killed two people. Instead of facing the authorities, killed himself. Folks, listen. It was because of his heart. And see, the problem today is not on the outside. You know what we won't do? And I thought about this. I said, Fred, this is exact. We just want people to act right. Just act right. Don't steal from anybody. Don't rob anybody. Don't lie to anybody. Don't shoot anybody. I mean, I mean, don't criticize. We just want them to act right. Look, that's not the problem. They're never going to act right until they get a new heart. Do you understand that? They'll never act right till they get a new heart. Some of us have got loved ones who are away from God. And we say, I just wish they'd start going to church. I do too. I just wish they'd quit drinking. I just wish they'd quit sweeping with people that they're not married to. I just wish they'd clean up their act. Let me tell you something. Are you more interested in their conduct? Are you more interested in them getting a new heart? You better pray that God will give them a new heart. Or they'll never change until God gives them a new heart. See, it's not about the outward. God's got to change you on the inside or you will never be different on the outside. And even when God gives you a new heart, it's still a battle to live a holy life in this wicked world. It seemed like I walked away from that thing saying, you better guard your heart. You better guard your heart. You know, there's, I'm, I'm talking to people here today. You're here because you want to be here. But let me tell you something. You, you, you just better guard your heart. You better guard it. You better not let those evil thoughts rise in your heart. You must never, you, you, you better not ever let hatred or bitterness or anger dwell in you. Or you never, better not ever let thinking about, well, you know, I know I can make some money, but it, I, it wouldn't be honest, but nobody will ever know, and the government doesn't deserve the taxes anyway, and I'll just cheat, you know. Hey, and, and, and it's called stealing, but you rationalize. Let me tell you something. Are you listening to me? You better Guard your heart. You better guard it. But Brother Fred, I'm a good person. I would never do anything like that. I mean, I'm not talking about you shooting somebody. But let me tell you something. It amazes me what religious people do. Including myself. You know why? We've got to clean up the outside. No, we ain't. Jesus has got to change us on the inside. He's got to give us a new heart. You know, Jesus just kept shattering their religion. Look in Matthew 23, 
verses 25 through 28. No wonder they put him on the cross. Because if they didn't stop him, their religion was going to be shattered. And people were going to know the truth. And they were going to get saved. And were going to get new hearts. So no wonder in Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You make clean the outside of the cup and the dish. They look so good on the outside. They had on their robes, you know. And, and, and they had these little things around their head, you know. And they had their scrolls. And they knew all the right words. And they did all the right things. I, I mean, you know. But boy, he said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. You clean the outside of the cup. But inside, you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. It's all about selfishness. You, 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 you look good on the outside, but man, you are messed up on the inside. Folks, listen, you better guard what's on the inside. He went on and said, blind Pharisee. These were the number one religious leaders of their day. Cleanse the inside of the cup and dish. Forget about that. Get your heart right. <laughs> let, let, let me cleanse the inside. Cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside may be clean also. Jesus said, if you get it right on the inside, the outside will be okay. It will be okay. Jesus said, you don't need reformation. You need transformation. Folks, listen. I think we pray for people the wrong way. God, I wish you'd quit drinking. And Lord, I wish you'd, well, I don't want them to be drunk. I wish you'd quit committing adultery. I wish you'd quit lying. I wish you'd quit shooting people. I don't want to, but I'll tell you one thing. That, I, I don't want that, but, but they're not ever going to quit until Jesus gives them a new heart. It'll never, until they're changed, this world will keep getting worse and worse and worse. And just like the religion of Jesus' day wasn't helping I don't see the religion of our day doing much good. Oh, we all get up and dress nice and go to church at Christmas and Easter, maybe even Thanksgiving. That ain't going to get it done. You say, well, Brother Fred, I come to church. Well, what do you do when you go home? How do you live at work? It's not that I, I am suspicious of any of you. It's not that I don't trust you. But I do know this. It's not about the outside, it's about the inside. And my passion for you today is to say to you, guard your heart. You know what I love about David? David was about as wicked as a man could get. Committed adultery with Bathsheba. Sent Uriah to the front of the battle and had him murdered. Lived a year, eaten up with the conviction of God. Till Nathan confronted him and said, David, you're the man. And then in Psalm 51, David began to pray the prayer of repentance. And I want you to listen to what he said there. He, he, said God, he didn't say, God, clean me up on the outside. I want to be respectable. I want to be religious. I, want to look, I mean, I want to be a good king. You know what he said? God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. He said, create in me. A clean heart, oh God. Oh, he knew he had a heart problem. He knew that. He knew that. And he said, oh God, you got to change my heart. You got to renew my spirit. I got a I got problem on the inside, Lord. You know, uh, 
Jesus just kept shattering the religion of his day. He did it again in Luke uh, uh, chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. Look at what he said. Then the Lord said to them, he just kept nailing them. Now you Pharisees, you make, clean, make the outside of the cup and dish. You make clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inward part is full of greed. Inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You know, you can come to church and look good, but inside you can be full of greed and wickedness. You say, well, why would people come to church? Because that's a nice thing to do if you live in the Bible Belt. Foolish ones did not who made the outside also make the inside. So no wonder they uh, killed him. He showed that their religion was all about outward pressure to keep the rules. And he shattered it and said, it's not about washing your hands and what you eat and, and, and doing thing, everything just right, just right, just right. That's not it. You've got to get a changed heart. You've got to get a changed heart. You know, so they said, well, if we don't, if we don't kill him, he's going to mess up our religion. Uh, Jesus said the problem is on the inside. You know, go, let's go back and let's look at verses 19 and 20 of chapter 15. And then I'm going to show you how an example of a heart that Jesus changed. How he transformed a man who was doing everything right on the outside but changed him and made him awesome on the inside. Go back to Matthew 15, verses 19 and 20. He said, okay, we got a heart problem. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, false witnesses, thefts, blasphemies, okay? He said, it's, it's, it's wickedness. So, heart problem. So what do the religions of the world do? Now, I want you to think about this. All right, let's, let's think about the Mohammedan religion. It's all based on fear. And this is what they say to the men. Okay, now you just kneel seven times and you pray to Allah in Mecca. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. That doesn't change their heart. It doesn't change their heart. And the, and the men just say to the women, and wear all the clothes you can, and the only thing people will be able to see is your eyes. Well, that's hard in Mobile, Alabama, and I mean, it's hot enough when you got on Bermuda shorts. Have you ever wondered, my heavens, why, why are they making them do that? I mean, good gracious, they got, the only thing you can see is their eyes. I, I mean, they have to get up every day and put all that stuff on. And they say, well, that's going to keep people pure. Look at me. You can wear 10 overcoats. And it won't keep you pure. Only Jesus can give you a pure heart. You see how empty religion is? It's just about do the right things. Face Mecca and pray. Or wear enough clothes. The uh, Hindus, uh, the Mohammedan religion is based on fear. The Henry religion is based on superstition. And um, it, it's uh, like when I was over in India, I kept hearing this noise, pow, pow. 
I said, somebody, they're shooting somebody. Man, they're going to be shooting at us for you. Know, oh, no, they're not shooting each other. That's firecrackers. I said, it's not the 4th of July. Why are they shooting firecrackers? Oh, they worship the sleeping God, and they're trying to wake him up. You say, yo, I'm not kidding. Well, that'll really change you on the outside, shooting a firecracker to wake up the sleeping God. They say, well, you know, Buddha was such a peaceful man. He had such nice sayings. And, and you know, you just uh, learn, it, learn the sayings of Buddha. You can know all the sayings of Buddha, and they don't change your heart. You see, religion doesn't change people's hearts, y'all. And this is, you know, I, I, I bet this person that killed those two people, I bet he went to church a lot when he was growing up. I don't even know his name, but I bet he went to church a lot when he was growing up. I know if he lived in the, around here, somebody is bound to tell him the gospel. He's bound to heard about Jesus at least once. And before this happened, he might say to you, I'm not a bad person. Hey, can I say something to you? Without Jesus, every one of us has a desperately wicked heart that needs to be changed. Jesus said, you're not ever going to clean it up by religion. Well, you don't understand, Brother Fred, and I'm going to really get in trouble right here. I'm okay, Brother Fred. I am a good Baptist. I grew up in a Baptist home. I got, went to Bible school. I got baptized. Occasionally, I come to church, but sometimes I lie. Sometimes I cheat. Sometimes I steal. I may even watch pornography, but I'm not a bad person. I'm, a bad, I'm okay. I had a feeling one time, I'm okay. No. If you're not living a righteous and a holy and a godly life, you're not okay. Do you understand me? You don't live like hell and go to heaven. Brother Fred, this is telling. I didn't didn't write the book. Jesus wrote it. He's the one that said to the Pharisees, boy, you look good on the outside, but you've got a problem on the inside. You need a new heart. Okay. So all the religions, well, I'm a good Presbyterian, good Pentecostal, good Catholic, good so-and-so, good so-and-so, good so-and-so. Have you ever got a new heart? That's all I care. Have you ever got a new heart? Then you'd get in a church that believes the Bible. But now let me just give you a couple of promises. And then I'm going to show you one person Jesus changed. Look in Ezekiel. Look on the screen. You'd never find Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 25. <laughs> it'd take me two days to find it. All right, l- listen. What Jesus, He was ready to take Israel back to their homeland. They had been wicked. They had been ungodly. There was nobody had a more wicked heart than the Israelites. And he said, I'm, but in the last day, I'm going to take you back home. And he's been doing it. And they said, look, this is what he said he was going to do for him in the last days, which we are in and which will get greater. He said, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you, he said, from all your filthiness and from all of your idols. And then goes on and says this, I will give you a new heart. Well, praise God. <laughs> Woo, Lord, I need that. I've been, I've had this other heart, I know what it's capable of. I will give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'm going to change you on the inside. 
I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. He said, listen, I know what your problem is and I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. Over in Hebrews, by the way, go, on over, go ahead on verse 27. Would you do that? Did I give you that? All right. I will put, all right. Now, this is what he said. This was to the Jews. Now, so take this personal. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you. I'm going to cause you to walk in my word. I'm going to cause you to obey my word. And you will keep my judgments and do them. I am not only going to give you a new heart, put my spirit in you. I'm going to give you the power to do what my word says. Well, that's a good deal. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Okay. That was to the Israelites and God's going to do that before it's over. He's doing it now. But now let's talk about us. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 15. He says he's going to give us a new heart. I'm not an Israelite. But I'm a part of the new covenant. I'm part of the new covenant. The old covenant was based on the law. It was religion. The new covenant's based on grace and mercy and the cross and the blood of Jesus. Uh, all right, so in Hebrews it says, But the Holy Spirit witnesses to us, for after he had said before, go ahead, this is the covenant. This is the covenant he makes with his children. This is the covenant he makes with saved people. This is the covenant I will make with you after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in your heart. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart. Instead of a wicked heart, I'm going to write my law. I'm going to write my, my word all across your heart. You're going to have a new heart. I'm, you're going to be in a new relationship. He said, I will write my law. I'll put my law in their hearts. And I'm going to write, my, in the, write it in their minds. And they're going to be right with me in their heart. And they're going to be right with me in their minds. And, and then he said, their sin and lawlessness I will remember no more. That's why we baptize those people today. Because Jesus Christ has given them a new heart. He wrote his law on his heart and in their minds. And he's forgiven them of their sins and lawlessness. So we bury that old life with a wicked heart. Uh, uh, may have been a religious heart. And we raise them out of the water with a new heart. And now they are changed. Not be, they're doing things not because they have to. Listen, this is where Christianity comes in. You start doing things because you have to, because you want to, and not because you have to. I have to go to church. No, I don't, but I want to go to church. <laughs> I have to pray. No, I don't, but I want to pray. I have to forgive my uh, enemies. I, I have to. You know, not that I have to. I want to. I have to have a pure heart. I have to refuse ungodly and unholy things. I cannot put ungodly things before my eyes. It's, I say, I've got to do that. It's not that I've got to do it. I want to do it. See, Jesus gives you a new want to. Religion says you have to. Jesus comes into your heart and you want to. Well, hallelujah is all I can say. I wish you'd get hallelujah on this. Because see, you, you love Jesus and you serve Jesus because you want to. It's not a drudgery. It's a joy to obey and follow Jesus. So he said, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new covenant. Well, all right, I'm going to wind this up by giving you an example of somebody Jesus gave a new heart. 
And buddy, if anybody needed one, he needed one. And you know what his name was? His name was Peter. Boy, he really needed a new heart. He was cocky. He was arrogant. He knew more than anybody else. He even told Jesus what he was supposed to do. Do you believe that? Look, at with, look with me in Matthew 16, 13 through 18. I want to just show you how he changed Peter. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, uh, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? All right, verse 14. They say, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So Jesus said, but no, this is the question. Who do you say I am? And they say, well, you, Simon Peter. Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the one that we were looking for. You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He, he got it exactly right. You know why? Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven let you know who I was. And he said, I'm going to change your name. Goes on and says, and I also say to you that you're Peter. And that means Petros, that means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And it's the rock of a confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and Lord. Now, there, there is a religion that says that Peter was the first pope and that he is the rock on which the, that church was built. All I got to say is I don't believe that and I ain't going there. But anyway, it says here, I say to you that you're Peter and on that rock of confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Messiah and the Savior, I will build my church and that's every saved person who ever gets saved and the gates of hell will not be able to stand its assault. You see, the true church is not lifeless. The true church is powerful. All right, so go, go on and read on. Look down in verses 21 through 23. All right, you said, well, boy, Peter got it right. He said, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're going to be a rock, Peter. And man, on your faith, I'm going to build a church full of people just like you. Well, look what happens. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. He said, now, get this straight. Y'all know who I am, but they're going to crucify me. They're going to put me to death, but I'll rise the third day. Well, look at the next verse. Listen to Peter. Then Peter took him aside. Jesus, he said, come here. I think I got this thing right. I don't think you got it right. And that's something. Oh, yeah. He said, got him off. Said, Jesus said, listen. He began to rebuke Jesus. Peter, I thought you said he was the son of God. He begins to rebuke Jesus. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be from you, Lord. Far be it from you. you this shall not happen to you. You will not go to Jerusalem. They will not betray you. And they will not kill you. No, be far from you. This is not going to be Jesus well, what did Jesus say to him? Golly bum, look what he said. You be careful what you say to Jesus, okay? Get behind me, Satan. This is the man who just said, Jesus said, you're going to be the rock. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, Peter. You're not mindful of things of God but you're mindful of the things of man. You don't want what God wants. You want what you want, and you don't want me to die. That's what it is. 
So Peter had to have some place. He needed to get his heart right. And so Jesus rebuked him. All right, go, we go right on. Show you a couple other verses. Look at Matthew 26, verse 31 through 35. See, Jesus gave Peter a new heart. He gave him a new heart, y'all. All right, Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. It is written, they're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. They're going to kill me and you're all going to scatter. But after I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. All right. Then Peter answered and said unto him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter, you don't know your heart. You don't know it. You don't know it. You're saying now, if everybody else stumbles, I guarantee you, I won't. Peter, you don't know what's in your heart. I'm going to have to change you and give you a new heart. Well, he goes on down and, uh, and it goes on. Read verse 35. Well, 34. He, he said, uh, well, we'll just say it, 34. Jesus said, I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Read on. Peter said, even if I, boy, Peter did not know his heart. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Whew. And all the disciples said the same thing. Well, let's go on over and look at uh, verse 69. And we're going to see where Peter just gets to the end of himself. Then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You were with Jesus of Galilee. Look at the next verse. He denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know, Jesus. Go ahead on the next verse. And when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him. Boy, these were nosy girls. Another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. He cursed, said, listen, I don't know the man. Wait a minute, Peter. I heard you tell him, everybody, he was the Christ, the son of the living God. I heard you tell him, though, though everybody stumbled, you wouldn't stumble. And I heard you tell him that you were smarter than him. He wasn't supposed to go to Jerusalem and die. And he said, you get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to receive this, Peter. It's an offense to me. But here Peter says, I don't even know him. And a little later, those who stood by up came up and said, surely you are one of them. By your speech, you betrays you. And this is what he says. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Okay. Now I want to show you when he got a new heart. Then we'll pray. John 21. Verse 15 through 18. Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead. The disciples had been, you know, out fishing. And Jesus came and, and he confronted them. All right, they cooked breakfast and ate. And Jesus had his glorified body then, by the way. He had a glorified body then. And he ate. That encourages me. That means we're going to eat in heaven. Oh, yes. And the menu will all be good and none of it will be fattening. Hallelujah. <laughs> none of it will be unhealthy. 
All right, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, well, this was sober. Do you love me more than these? He said, oh, yes, Lord. You know I love you. He said, well, feed my lambs. And then Jesus went on again. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. Then he asked him a third time. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You, hey, you know my heart. You know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times Jesus asked him if he loved him. And Peter, and then you know what Jesus told Peter after that? He said, most assuredly I say to you, now don't miss this. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and walked, walked where you wish. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said, Peter, one day they're going to kill you. It says here that he spoke about the way he was going to die. And the truth is said that Peter was crucified, but he refused to be crucified like Jesus was, that he was crucified upside down. Something happened to his heart. Somewhere along the way, Peter got out of religion, and he got a new heart. All right, I want to show you one last verse. Here it is. See, Jesus can give each of us a new heart. I don't need reformation. I don't need to change. I need a new heart. And in Christ, that's where it comes. I don't need to reform, and I don't need to clean up my act. I can't do it. I need Jesus to come and live in me and give me a new heart. Acts 2, 22 through 24. Just look at what, this is the last glimpse of Peter with a new heart full of the Holy Ghost. Look at it. Men of Israel, he's the same Peter that denied him. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate purpose, the determined purpose and knowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and you have crucified him and put him to death. He's looking those people dead now and said, you kill the son of God. Whom God raised up, hallelujah, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that death should hold him. And then look at verse 36. See, this is Peter now with a new heart full of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, boy, I love this, man. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know. Therefore, let all the people of Mobile know. Therefore, let all the people in America know. Therefore, let all the people in the world know. This Jesus, that let all of Israel know that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And God's people said, amen. And he is Lord and he is Christ. Oh, Peter got a new heart, y'all. That encourages me because there have been times I just tell Jesus what I was going to do, wasn't going to do. And he didn't laugh out loud, but he said, you don't know your heart. But praise God, somewhere along the way, he gave me a new heart. 